Welcome to Etchimon with Willis and Alex. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Etchimon. My name is Willis, and I'm here joined by Alex as always. How are you, Alex? Hi, Willis. I'm all right. Hello to everyone listening in. Fantastic. It's a great day to be recording this, at least in Canberra it is. How's the weather at your place, Alex? It's pretty good, thank you. Yeah, yep. it's about as good as, as I'll get in a winter in Canberra, so thankful to God for that. And yes, our phrase today is the phrase straight and narrow. What does this mean, Alex, and why did you choose it? can't remember why exactly I chose it. Maybe it's just a jump from an Old Testament to a New Testament one. A bit of variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's a super common phrase, but I think it's one that is still under, understood and still used. You use straight and narrow to often, I think, of a person to say they are back on the right track or back on the right path in terms of their life direction. So maybe someone has been in trouble with the law or something, but now they're back on the straight and narrow. Or perhaps you can be a a bit more humorous as well. So if you're on a diet and you're cutting out sugar, for example, you're kind of, you're on the straight and narrow, you know, you're trying to be disciplined and do the quote unquote right thing. Um, So it is a sense of that disciplined mentality, perhaps, I think. That's my Mm. impression. Mm. That's very well explained. Feel like it you may have a different experience of a... oh no i I'll, I'll share my experience with our listeners i think i'd heard of the phrase before but my ignorance was so great that the word straight s-t-r-a-i-t i thought was actually i thought it was the same word as a normal straight that we have in our english language being like a straight road s-t-r-a-i-g-h-t so that that goes to show my ignorance and no i think it's a yeah no, it's. <laughs> I was I was very I was very shocked shocked. And I thought it was a typo, honestly. When when Alex shared with me the phrase, like, did you, did you spell straight wrong there, Alex? But no, it turns out that Alex is usually not wrong with these things, and he spelled it right. What is the difference between straight and straight, Alex? Uh, I'll steal this from. Maybe not steal. I don't know. Well, take from what I've heard uh, a good illustration of the straight, which is in this phrase. So S T R A I T. It's also used in a word like straitjacket, which is a very restrictive uh, and probably illegal form of a, a physical restraint for. Mm. Is um, it? Is, is that is 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 straitjacket spelled S T R A I T jacket as well? S T R A I T. Yes. No way. Um, All right, I'm learning. Yeah, a lot. As I'm learning to, a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, know, I think it's a very. Con- don't put yourself down because I think it's a it's a very probably old word, and we're mm. gonna, you know mm. this phrase comes from version of the bible that was first published solid 400 plus years ago so it's um not a very common word i think another place where it shows up is in geography Mm. so in australia there's a body of water i think called the bass strait strait meaning i think a narrow body of water so both of these connote a sense of you know being trapped of some sort so straight and narrow not straight as in no curves Mm. but straight as in restrictive narrowness yes so both connoting the sense of as you said narrowness yeah tightness to it tightness 
yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm just yeah, thinking so, of synonyms. So yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a negative words, right? Which is mm. interesting given the context that Jesus used it. A great transition. Let's go with it. Where does this phrase come from in the Bible mm. and how is it used? It's a famous part of the Bible. We've talked about it before in past episodes, such as Pearls Before Swine. I think we did a whole episode on that. Yep, and same chapter, same chapter. What was um Go the Extra Mile? I think maybe mm. a couple chapters earlier, perhaps. But anyway, there's a section of the Bible with the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gave a lot of his most well-known, pithy, challenging sayings and teachings in this part of the gospel. And so this is where this particular phrase, straight and narrow, comes from. And in fact, it's pretty much towards the very end. So mm. Jesus, after giving this long talk, finishes off with three different illustrations, I think. Mm. So there's the illustration about the way, the road, so the straight and narrow road compared mm. to the broad and wide road. And then there's another one about trees. And mm. there's another one about buildings. And both of them kind of have similar themes about two ways, two different um, perspectives or, or ways to live. It's kind of like a, a conclusion to mm. his sermon. Mm. Well, how about we start with, first of all, the straight and narrow illustration, given that that's our illustration that we're going to be looking at today. I was going to read it in the original Old English version, which is <laughs> the famous King James version that does utilize those exact words, straight and narrow. But a warning to our listeners that you will have to endure me pronouncing Old English words like ye and thereat and leadeth and all of that. After if I read it, Alex, would you just be happy to read the same thing in a more modern Bible translation that we use today as well? And we can therefore just have sure. two renditions. Right. So they can, they can hear the words straight and narrow to know we're not making things up. And then you can read it. Okay. Yeah, it will be a, a lesson in kind of translation and how English has changed, perhaps, and that sort of stuff. That's right. So let me begin. It comes from, yeah, as Alex said, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 to 14. I read from the King James Version. So it goes, goes as follows. And this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So that's my one. Mm -hmm. Nice and short. Technically only two verses, but um, the one that goes before is the golden rule as it's mm. commonly called so why not leave that in <laughs> uh, yeah, from... you know, you're completely right I, I can probably have done without it but it's a good yeah we'll leave it in. that's a good it's like you know the yeah. servant if you're not a christian or if you're even remotely interested if you were just an interested person and mm. you wanted to know about christian you know why not just read these couple chapters as a introduction these are words from jesus's mouth and yeah. it most likely can... has a lot of where a lot of your morals come from to be honest, like, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. Do, do to others what, they, what you want them to do to you. That's that's literally yeah. verse 12, as I've just read in very olden day fashion. Yeah. But yes, Alex, do you want to read the same? In, in yeah, all right, that's good. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. 
enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Thank you. Interesting. Wonder, yeah, definitely. Wonder what you thought of that. Yes. And yeah, I wonder, first of all, maybe just some some context. What is Jesus talking about here, Alex? Yeah, what is this straight gate and narrow way? What is this broad way and wide gate that these these two illustrations, there's there's a there's a there's sort of like a broad and a wide gate and way, and then there's a mm. there's a straight and a narrow gate and way. How is Jesus contrasting them and for what purpose? Yeah. Like what does this metaphor represent? Yeah, a good way of putting it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess the context is that he was a wandering preacher and giving out ideas that probably seemed quite controversial and definitely challenged the religious establishment. And so after he's presented his very striking vision of what it means to live, what it means to relate to God, and this code of ethics that is so refreshing or perhaps challenging, he finishes with words like this. And I guess he's saying that my way is this narrow way that leads to life. And the other way, which I guess very broadly speaking would be you do good things to get close to God, you do good things to get to heaven. That's the broad way. And that actually leads to destruction. I think on a very high level, that's what this metaphor saying well explained and i think as our listeners might even even just realize when alex is explaining this it's a claim of exclusivity isn't it in many ways jesus is claiming that his way is best and if you don't follow the way that i i lay out you will go to a road that leads to destruction and obviously to our modern culture this sounds in some ways quite intolerant of other people's views and perspectives. And I wonder how we, we would respond to that as Christians. We, we can't shy away from the fact that Jesus claimed to be a very exclusive person who claimed to offer an exclusive path to salvation, one of the most famous verses in, in the Bible, which sort of complements this verse from Matthew we've just read right now, is Jesus saying, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one, no one comes to the Father, no one comes to God, except through me. This is Jesus saying, I, I am this road and I'm this way. And you have to come through me if you want to come to the one true God. And I wonder how we would respond, Alex, to, to others who, who view this as overly intolerant. And particularly, yeah, to people who, who I think and I, I can really sympathize with them, who would think that what gives you the right to say such a thing so exclusively when someone else can sincerely believe otherwise and from my own perspective, at least, live a live a fairly decent moral life, nonetheless. Yeah, definitely a very valid concern. And I was listening to a talk on this by the late and quite great uh, Timothy Keller. Uh, I think he was longtime pastor in New York, right? And so, you know, certainly, if if there is any reputed for being a melting pot and all that sort of thing. So he was clearly trying to teach a very, what might appear to be intolerant way in a society that was very much against that. And I think maybe a couple points to say is 
to begin with, I would suggest that, to be fair, everyone lives in the way that they think is best. And the reason that you don't live in another way is because consciously or unconsciously, you don't think it's best. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, well, you probably maybe you haven't thought very much about it, but maybe you have. And either way, there's probably some belief that you have about it that thinks that it's not so good compared to what I currently believe. Maybe, you know, I, I don't think there's proof for Christianity. Um, and therefore I don't I don't think it's right, or whatever the case may be, right? And the reason I'm a Christian and not a Muslim, for example, right, it's it's similar, right? There are reasons for I believe. Um, even if we haven't really investigated that, there are reasons for why I think I, otherwise, you know, you wouldn't live the way you live unless you thought it was the best thing to do. So I think that that's a baseline that we're starting off for everyone. And the other thing that uh, Keller pointed out is that the form of tolerance, which is saying all religions are right or equal, and it's wrong for one religion to be more right than others, is imposing a perspective as well. Mm. So you are saying that uh, you are claiming that you cannot claim that one religion is more correct than any other and that in its view would strictly speaking be as intolerant as one religion saying that they are more correct than another so i guess probably just as a benchmark to say you know those observations which i think are, are valid and Probably the most concerning thing, though, is Jesus is not just saying, uh, I'm better than everyone else, but uh, my way is the only way that leads to life. So not only that, but also saying that every other way leads to destruction. Mm. And to that, I would say, I think Jesus is saying that, well, it, it comes from a place of love as well. It's what he genuinely believed, and he did not want people going down that way of destruction. And I think if we look a little bit more carefully, into this so-called, you know, this path that leads to destruction, it may actually appear to be less spacious and broad than it looks. I would suggest... What do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, I think one thing that Keller brought up, or maybe drawing drawing on that, is that so very roughly speaking, broadly speaking, there, there are two paths that Jesus is saying. One is the path of grace so you have to not rely on yourself or on your own works which is probably quite counter how we think of straight and narrow today because we think straight and narrow is about hard work and discipline and staying on the right course which is a difficult thing to do mm. but actually the hard part of that is not to rely on yourself the hard part is giving up any idea that you are worth say salvation or you deserve a good afterlife uh, on your own merits whereas the path to destruction i think has that as one of its core tenets and i think that fairly universally and you know, i don't want to say all religions are the same because they're not but i think a lot of belief systems and even non-religious belief systems like meritocracy right is that if you do good or you get good or you are good then you will get something back. And that's just like how the system works, right? So you are rewarded for your good works if we're talking about this, mm. this spiritual. And so if you actually look at that path, though, 
it may not be as pleasant as it looks, right? Because you're comparing yourself to others and you're worrying about how good you are. And I think that's with us in, in all of life because we live in a society where this principle functions. So um, at work, you are measured on your performance, right? And mm-hmm. so there is, you know, hopefully your workplace isn't that bad, but there is a little bit, there's a sense in which if you're not performing well enough, there will be consequences. But if you are, there are rewards. And so, you know, there's just, and, and you know, relationships with your friends and family, the, you know, it's it's all there. It's all of society, right? Is that if you're not behaving to set standards, there will be consequences. And I guess that path isn't that pleasant. Probably for most of us, we can we can live with that and we can manage that. But we know that things like poor mental health outcomes and a lot of the suffering that we see in life does relate to these systems and structures we have in place of having standards of if you are not reaching the standard, you are not good enough and that sort of thing. So I think maybe that might be some some elements of its destructive nature there. It looks broad and looks good, but maybe hiding something sinister. Maybe I'm reading too much. I'm probably reading way too much out of the text here. But, no, I um, don't think so. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good one. So in summary, and ironically enough, I think what Alex is saying, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, is that the broad and easy path that Jesus is describing is actually the one that involves the most work, in a sense. It's actually the one that involves thinking and taking the approach that I can earn my own salvation. If I do enough good things, I can make myself right with God and right with myself. That is the mm. that is the easy path, the one that involves more work. Yeah. And rather the narrow one yep. is the one that just simply says, it's like throwing up your hands. I God, I I can't do this myself and I need Jesus to save me. That one is the one that's described as the narrow and the straight way. And the reason why it is, is because doing so requires, I, I guess, literally just that realization that you are dead and lost and that only Jesus can save you. It is, it is perhaps something that's very challenging for many people to admit, but this is what Jesus says is the truth. And mm. so I guess in summary, yes, in, in one sense, we can say that the road that Jesus is offering, the way that he's offering, the life that he's offering is very, very hard. It is very narrow and straight, as he says. It is radically exclusive and that only confessing your helplessness real, and only confessing your need of him alone as your savior will get you to be reconciled to God. It's radically exclusive. But on the other hand, it's also radically inclusive. In the sense, that's all you need to do, no matter what your sins. And if you lived an entire life destroying the lives of others around you and yourself, Jesus promises that he is completely sufficient and able to save you. And so this is the wonderful, radical exclusivity, but also inclusivity of our Christian faith. And it's something that we'd like to welcome you all too, who are listening to our podcast right now. I, I really enjoyed to, uh, just just the session in particular today. It was great to explore a phrase that's yeah, I think really impacted both Alex and and I as we're in our own lives and understanding of our faith. So we'd love to continue to chat with our listeners if if you do have any questions. In the meantime, so great and thankful that you were that you were keen to listen, and we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. This is Willis and Alex checking out.